Well, the question for discussion on the table this morning is, should a Christian ever get involved with hypnosis or hypnotism? Hypnotism is often promoted as a simple way of quote-unquote refocusing ourselves and finding the answer within us or as entertainment at a show. Hypnosis lead to an altered state of consciousness in which the mind is very susceptible to outside suggestions. That susceptibility is what the hypnotist needs in order to modify the behavior of his subject. However, the word susceptible should concern us because many of the techniques used in hypnosis are shared by mystical, philosophical and religious systems, including the occult. The father of hypnotism, Franz Anton Mesmer, from whose name we get the word mesmerized, was himself a practitioner of the occult. His methods of introducing a trance was very similar to the way a medium conducts a seance. Now, hypnotism, along with transcendental meditation, has always been linked to spiritual darkness. The newfound respectability of these practices has not changed their underlying nature, or has it? Brumpunt investigates, and we invited two well-known psychologists to attend our program, and also a Christian speaker, well-known Dr. Peter Hammond from Frontline Ministries down in Cape Town to chat to us. We'll be back right after this. We also invited Dr. Louise Olifir, as she's known in South Africa. Uh, Dr. Olifir, very good day to you. Welcome to Radio Pulpit. Would you kindly just introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Good morning. Yes, I'm a clinical and counseling psychologist, and I've been trained all over the world in hypnotherapy. I'm also on the executive of the Psychological Society of South Africa's Division for Medical and Dental Hypnotherapy. I think one must distinguish this, which is the South African Society of Clinical Hypnosis, from an organization of hypnotists. We're not hypnotists, we're hypnotherapists, and we're psychologists and medical practitioners, and it's a division of the Psychological Society of South Africa. Thank you so much for your introduction. Can I start by asking you, what would you answer a Christian if that individual, he or she, would ask you, should I get involved with hypnosis, hypnotherapy, hypnotism? What would you answer that individual? Well, first of all, I would say to the person, I myself is an avid Christian. I believe in God and above all else. And hypnotherapy has not, got nothing to do with the occult. In fact, it's a myth that it has something to do with the occult. But hypnosis is a natural phenomenon of the human mind, the hypnotic state. For example, if we are really tired and we drive from the work to our home, we often have this that feeling of being on automatic pilot. When we get home, we don't know, we can't really describe what happened along the way. That is a hypnotic trance. It's a natural phenomena of the human mind. In clinical work, we use that phenomena to work through trauma with people. Do you put somebody in an altered state of mind, so to speak? Can I ask that question? Well, you induce a trance. In one of the myths as well of the hypnotic trance is that people think that it's like anesthetic where you go away and you come back and you don't know what happened. In fact, when you're in the hypnotic trance, 
You can hear what I'm saying. You can hear the sounds outside. Your conscious mind is not gone. You also know what you're saying to the person, but the subconscious mind is much more active and can be accessed, like accessing the hard disk of a computer. Dr. Willifer, what would you say, there's currently a newfound respectability, almost a curiosity, about the practice of hypnotism, uh, hypnosis, hypnotherapy, but what, as far as entertainment go, would you warn somebody against that, where hypnotism is used as entertainment in a show? Uh, well, the South African side of clinical hypnosis is very much against using hypnosis as entertainment for the specific reason that it's not a panache. It's not a game. You have to know what you're doing when you're working with the subconscious mind of a human being. I've often had patients that come from hypnotic shows, you know, where there's fun, where the hypnotist has actually given them suggestions which has caused serious problems. So uh, we are against hypnosis for entertainment. You must know what you're doing, and we will use hypnosis for a regression of patients to traumatic events, reprogramming um, messages in the subconscious mind. So it's a, it's a very experienced technique that you have to know what you're doing. For example, psychologists take five years training after they've actually qualified as a psychologist to be a diplomat of our society. That's the highest training that you will give in South Africa. It's been said that therapy or hypnotism can help you against smoking, obesity, other ailments that mankind struggles with. Any truth in that? It can, but one must be careful. It's not just putting somebody in a hypnotic state and saying, you know, you're not going to smoke anymore. I'm just thinking about a patient I had that when we did the hypnosis, the, the subconscious mind told me that he doesn't want to give up smoking because his father smoked and his father was deceased and he didn't want to give up that part that was still like his father. So it's not as easy as just saying stop smoking. The subconscious mind sometimes has a reason to do something. So you then have to convince the subconscious mind that he can remember his father in another way. What if somebody says to you, well, I've been hypnotized uh, probably at uh, some show uh, even before I became a Christian. Will this still affect me? You mentioned about the, the problems, the doors that can be opened at these shows. What would you answer that individual? I would say to, to those, that person, you know what? Hypnotherapy is a tool. Oh, uh, and, you know, just like in the medical fraternity, I mean, they use MRI scans, and the person can be a Satanist and they can be a Christian. It's the person that also treats you that has to do with what their orientation is. Your final thoughts on hypnotherapy, hypnosis, hypnotism. Your final thoughts on that, please. Hypnosis should be used for clinical practice by highly trained people that know what they're doing and are subjected to ethical rules. Psychologists are registered at the Health Professionals Council as his medical practitioners, and we are submitted to ethical rules of conduct. Hypnosis, for example, can be used very... I've done with a surgeon, I've done an operation with somebody because they couldn't tolerate anesthetic, and it was a four-hour operation, 
and we only I only did the hypnosis for pain control, no anesthetic, and it was a major operation. So it's a very valuable tool, but it must be handled with ethics and with highly trained specialists. Just in closing, the father of hypnotism, Franz Anton Mesmer, from whose name we get the word mesmerize, was himself a practitioner of the occult. His methods of inducing a trance was very similar to the way a, a medium conducts a seance. Your thoughts on this? Well, the, the more modern, like I mean, Freud, for example, also used hypnotherapy. Uh, he was disenchanted for a while, but later in his life he started realizing that it has really a lot of value. Again, it is a tool, but the person that uses it can obviously, like all things in life, Satan can influence the person that he's using into. But it's um, this hypnotherapy itself is not evil. It's a very useful tool in clinical work. That then, Dr. Louise Willefier, who spoke to us here at Radio Pulpit. A sincere thanks for your participation in the program. It's a pleasure. One of our respondents that we invited to partake in this program is James de Villiers. He's from Cape Town, formerly a Dutch Reform Minister. James, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Would you kindly just introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Thank you, Vainan. Shortly, I'm a psychologist, practicing psychologist for about 15 years now. Previously, I was a psychologist at the University of Nelson Mandela, uh, working as a psychologist and part-time lecturer. Then I went into the ministry for 10 years, and I'm in practice again for 15 years now as a practicing psychologist. Can I start by asking you, what if a Christian asks you, should I get involved with hypnosis or hypnotism? What would you answer that individual and why? Just about hypnotism, uh, that's probably referring to shows. Now, very shortly, I've never been to any international conference over the years where there wasn't at least one paper by a presenter internationally not warning against the possible dangers of stage hypnosis. Unfortunately, one can't do anything about them because they don't fall under the jurisdiction of the medical board I'm not saying that it's always dangerous, but it can be possibly dangerous. So I'm not referring to that. I don't want to comment about that. About hypnotherapy, I think first thing we have to clarify what exactly is the so-called trance. Now, most of the day, we are in a hypnotic trance anyway, because most of the things we do, we do involuntarily. You, You know what you do and you make decisions, but even that, becomes a pattern. I mean, how many things do we do consciously and deliberately every day? So we are in a trance anyway. Then when you talk about some other specific trances, take for instance a child that is molested. When that child is molested the first time and then consequently after that, that child goes into a very, very deep hypnotic trance. You know what's going on, but you are dissociated which means that that trauma gets stuck in your subconscious mind. That is a a, a trance. Small children listening to a teacher, your small children, let's say grade one, and the teacher tells a story about Red Riding Hood and the wolf. When she gets to the part where the wolf jumps out of the bed, the children all are frightened 
because they are in a deep hypnotic trance. James, my apologies for, for interrupting you. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to know from you, basically at this stage, what would you say to a Christian? Can he get involved with hypnotherapy? Uh, I understand that you say st- steer clear from hypnosis, but by, by the sound of it, you have no problem with hypnotherapy. The reason why I want to clarify that is because to say that the trance is a very automatic state anyway. All right. So, of course, one can get involved because what you do is you use a highly focused and concentrated method because it's not a, a therapy in itself. It's just a, a complementary method to help the person focus uncovered the suppressed trauma so that you deal with it properly. I'm actually glad that you've studied theology in your life as well, uh, being a minister. What does the Bible say about hypnosis or hypnotherapy, if anything? It doesn't say anything specific about hypnosis, no. But uh, obviously, it depends on how you use scripture. If I use scripture, I use it by looking at the hermeneutical key. And for me, it is to actually help people and Christians, if, if it's a Christian patient I'm seeing, to deal with your proper pain, because that is the cross message, to experience your real pain, because that's what Jesus said. If you want to follow me, you have to carry your cross. And if uh, we often I say to people in Afrikaans, you have to carry your cross, which means that you have to deal with the real pain. If you follow me, you have to deal with the real pain. Hypnotherapy is a very wonderful tool to help you deal with the real pain and not get stuck on the surface. Why would you say there's a newfound curiosity, let's use the word respectability, uh, for this practice called hypnotism, hypnotherapy, hypnosis? What what would you say? I think uh, it's very difficult to say, but in my experience, I think it's because people are more open to try alternative methods of, of therapy. But what I have heard over the years at international conferences and in South Africa is that uh, with the the, uh, two things, one, people have tried other methods, but then it's almost like they can't break through and change the unconscious behavior patterns, you know, things that you do involuntarily, even uh, anxiety disorders, migraines and whatever. So that is the one reason they've tried other things. But the other reason why I think uh, people also consider it is because of the uh, development of the neuroscience. And during the the past number of years with the development of the functional MRI scan and the neuroscience, we we, we understand so much more about the, the, the processes of the brain. And hypnosis, according to a neurologist of Italy, It's not just a viable tool to help people treat certain diseases or a complementary method of treating certain diseases, but also a necessity to do research of the brain. So I think it's also the development of the neuroscience that leads to the interest in hypnotherapy or mindfulness or other names by which it's called, but not hypnotism. I'm not referring to that. So a definitely clear distinction there. It's been said that hypnotherapy or, or, or the word hypnotism has even come up or hypnosis can help you, set you free from smoking, obesity, other elements that mankind struggles with. What would your answer be? Yes, it can. It's not a, a foolproof method, Vainan, because nothing is. 
but it, it is a viable tool. But I must also distinguish between, you, you know, people that go to a psychologist or even a non-psychologist, not registered psychologist, but that uses hypnosis. And often they claim to treat people with, you know, stop smoking, for instance, and then it helps. But there's no research to indicate how often it does help. But, yes, it can help if it's part of a process and dealing with the, under, the underlying addiction because it's not just about the smoking, it's about the addiction. So it can help for that, yes. Just your final thoughts. The father of hypnotism, Franz Anton Mesmer, whose name we also get the word from mesmerized, was himself a practitioner of the occult. His methods of inducing a trance was very similar to the way a medium conducts a seance. Your thoughts on that? I don't know his full story, but one, what I want to say about that is that uh, I often re, uh, compare it with a scalpel. You know, with a scalpel you can kill someone, and with a scalpel you can heal someone. A hypnotherapy is, is, is just a scientific tool to help you treat people, but obviously, like a scalpel, you can also do damage. You can't say that just because it helps people and because someone misuses it, therefore you shouldn't use it. I think it's a tool God uses many ways to help people. And it can either be used by the ego, people want to control other people, but on the other hand, it can be helped to, uh, used to help people. In hypnotherapy in South Africa and in the world, there are highly ethical standards uh, which you have to obey, you know, because you're a, a professional person. Yeah. You fall under the jurisdiction of the medical board. So you can't do that kind of thing and use it for the occult. People that do use it for that purpose, of course, it's, it's not good. It's evil. Practicing psychologist all the way from Cape Town. Thank you so much, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Vainan. Bye bye. Well, Dr. Peter Hammond, we've asked him uh, some of these difficult questions. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. If being asked by a Christian, should I get involved with hypnosis or hypnotism? What would you answer that individual and why? I'd immediately caution them against hypnosis because in the scriptures we are told to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And here we're told our minds must be renewed. And it seems to me that hypnosis is emptying your mind. It is opening up your mind and your subconscious to external forces, and that is something that we should not be... God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So to us, our minds must be consecrated to God. Um, They must be renewed by the Scripture, and it's extremely dangerous to open ourselves up to outside influences or where our mind is not in control and where we are not clearly testing to see if this is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God by studying the scriptures. Peter, someone listening right now might argue that the word hypnosis or hypnotism does not appear in God's word in the Bible. Does the Bible say anything about hypnosis? Well, it certainly speaks out against 
any kind of foolishness and against any kind of occultism. And we are warned in the scriptures in Deuteronomy against uh, clairvoyance and against those who would be involved in any of the occult arts. And I'm concerned that while obviously some people may look at hypnosis as something more of just a some kind of entertainment perhaps, but uh, listen to what Deuteronomy 18 says. When you come into the land where the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found amongst you anyone who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices magic, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord your God, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy 18. And so, speaking about sorcerers, omens, conjuring spells, medium spiritists, these things are part of the New Age occultic type of lifestyle, and it's disturbing that today hypnosis, along with acupuncture and a whole lot of other sorts of practices, are becoming more and more acceptable in a society where people are not studying the Word of God as clearly as was done maybe in previous times, but we're open to almost any kind of New Age occultic Eastern kind of mysticism, and I would be concerned that hypnotism could easily fall into those categories. Peter, why would you say is there such a newfound, can I call it curiosity, respectability, even if it's that, for the practice of hypnosis or hypnotism? I believe it's partly because we are in an age when people are open to anything well, except the Bible. And there seems to be this absolute wide open gullibility where we're willing to fall for anything. And I'm disturbed because this is part of what the Lord warned us about do not be deceived and do not be caught up in the spirit of this world. And the whole world is being deceived by the evil one, and Satan is deceiving the nations. And there's this new age occultic uh, spirit of super tolerance for anything except what the Bible teaches. And so that from practices, uh, whatever is from the East and whatever is mystical seems to be very respectful. Perhaps it's because of Hollywood. We've seen this entertainment society has pushed it a lot. There's also an antinomianism, which means hostility to God's law, saying God's law does not apply today. And so because of this antinomianism, because of the hedonism of all that matters is my personal experiences and existentialism, these are the spirits of the age, me, myself, and I, my personal feelings and emotions now. And all of this is hostile to the Word of God and the disciplined mind. Therefore, I believe that because in too many cases we've opened ourselves up, to the spirit of the age and the spirit of the world through especially Hollywood, which is extremely degenerate and deceptive. These are just some of the things that are coming in. But if we were studying the Word of God, we wouldn't even need hypnosis because there's so many better doctrines and teachings and we'd be seeking guidance from God through the Scriptures and not from some stranger who's offering to put us in an altered state of consciousness. It's been said that hypnotism can help you with smoking problems, with obesity and many other issues that mankind struggles with. Your opinion? Well, I seriously doubt whether it can, but sometimes, as Dr. Kurt Koch pointed out, you can see that Satan and his followers can take the sickness out of your body and put it into your soul. There's always a price to pay when you seek to make the devil your slave master. He's a hard taskmaster and 
and there certainly are bondages that come with it. So maybe a person will find that he can find help through something like hypnosis in one area, but he will find a lot of other problems coming in through the back door. I would rather go through Scripture, through what the Word of God has taught us. I would never want an altered state of consciousness. I wouldn't want whether it's alcohol, drugs, or hypnosis, to affect my mind, which must be renewed and which must be committed to God, which must be testing all things clearly. So this idea that I would want to get some stranger with something that is not taught in the Scriptures and let that influence my mind, there's nothing more precious and vital than our mind, and there's so much in the Scripture that speaks about the importance of our mind and our thoughts, and we should let every thought be taken captive to obey Christ. So the last thing I want to do is to have someone else interfere with my mind. Peter, somebody listening to us now might have the worry and say, well, I've been hypnotized before I became a Christian. Will it still affect me now that I am a Christian? What would you say to that person? It should not. Uh, Of course, it depends on how much exposure, and of course, some people are more susceptible than others. But the point is, at the point of conversion, repentance, when we repent of our sins, when we turn from our self and from the world and from whatever we were trusting in, whether it's idols of the world, the sins of the world, the addictions, when we turn from our old life, we take up a cross, we follow Christ, and we're born again, then we are a new creation. All things have passed away, everything has become new. And so we shouldn't have to worry about things of the past, but... There are some times where maybe it wasn't a full surrender or maybe there still is some toehold. We are told that we should not be ignorant of the devices of Satan and that we should not give place to the devil or ground. So sometimes there might be some surrendered ground in our life that needs to be brought back before the throne of God, brought before the cross, repented of, forsaken. For example, you might be converted and then sometime after you're converted, you notice, you know, I've still got, I've got these statues in my home. I've got these idols. Okay, they weren't something I worshipped, but I picked these up on a tour to the Middle East, and I thought they were nice ornaments. But God puts it in your conscience. I must get rid of these. These are idols. These are offensive in the sight of God. These are stumbling blocks, and this isn't a good witness to others anyway. And then I might think, oh my, look at what I've got on my shelf. Oh, these books have got to go. I've got to delete this music. This is not honoring to God. This isn't good for me. That, that is not part of my Christian discipleship now. And so God might show things in your life, relationships in your life, different habits, addictions that have got to go. So once we've converted and once we've repented and turned to Christ, that doesn't mean that God will not be exposing many things in our life that we step by step must deal with, repent of, or remove, uh, or do restitution. We might find, you know, I've got this debt I never paid. There's this person I offended and never made right with. So there are many things that God may lead us to make right with, and Hypnotism may be one of those things we bring before the Lord. And, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry that I ever allowed my mind to be affected or allowed someone else to introduce me into an altered state of consciousness. Repent of it, put it before the cross, and move on. We should be washing our minds daily through the Word of God, and uh, that should be sufficient. But, of course, at the point when God brings before our attention something that we were disobedient on or unwise about, then it's wise to deal with it there and then. Peter, there's a flip side to hypnosis and hypnotism as well, and that's the entertainment value of it. No doubt we have seen it on TV, we have seen it at shows. Last question, should a Christian attend a hypnosis show or entertainment to do with hypnosis? I would certainly 
caution against it. I think that would be extremely unwise. Uh, what comes to my mind is Philippians 4. We are told, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So the Word of God tells us to think on good, pure, lovely things and true things. And I see hypnosis as something deceptive. And uh, there's so much that we take as entertainment which actually does not meet the criteria of having a mind renewed or focusing and meditating on things that are true and just and noble and pure and lovely, virtuous and of good report. And therefore, I think let's be more critical about the entertainment that we allow into our heart and mind, because what we laugh at and what we look at in, in, the, in the entertainment is affecting us. It's affecting our attitudes, and also what kind of influence are we being to our children and to our neighbors? So, no, I would strongly advise against hypnosis for any form of entertainment. Then, Dr. Peter Hammond. Peter, thank you so much for your opinions. You're most welcome, and may God bless Radio Pulpit and everyone who listens to you.